Welcome to The Conversation. I'm Gretchen, and this is Conversations to Connect. You're listening to episode 36, where we are continuing our Amplify Black Voices series with our guest, Johnny Gethers. So here we go. I'm so happy to have my good friend here, Johnny Gethers. Can you introduce yourself and let us know a little bit of who you are? Hello, everybody. My name is Johnny Gethers. I work as a mental health therapist within Family Links here in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Uh, within my position, I work in a therapeutic classroom model where I work with children from the first through the third grade doing individual and group therapy and also getting in contact with the families and within the school just to make sure the kids' um, needs are met and get the resources that they need so they can be able to transition out of the therapeutic classroom back into the mainstream classroom setting. I'll tell everybody this before I had before working with Family Links, I was working at other organizations and agencies. So when I had got my MSW from Pitt in 2013, I had my first job with Community Empowerment Association in Homewood. And with that job, I was going to the actual school. I was going to different schools, just make sure the kids are getting their services met and then actually seeing them individually and in groups during like after school so they'll come directly to the organization after school and i meet with them individually or meet with them during groups after i had left with them that's when i started doing outpatient therapy in the evenings community psychiatric centers which is in moreauville and i was doing evening outpatient therapy there right but it was kind of like an overwhelming thing because one i was the only black male therapist there at the time it was mostly women therapists Mm -hmm. in that office and when I got there, that's when mostly the clientele had boosted up because everybody wanted to see me. <laughs> <laughs> and then a lot of therapists yeah. in that office referred some people to me and stuff like that. It was I think you should work with this person. What and was I, it like going into a sea of white women and being the only black? But no, the thing is, it wasn't even a sea of white women. It was some black women that was there in the mm-hmm. agency too, but I was the only black male in that office even though what community psychiatrics there's different offices in pittsburgh uh, with it but with me being in that moroville office i was the only one because i only saw myself as being the only male black male there Mm -hmm. and stuff in a sense i felt good because i'm like wow i'm here i'm doing what i was you know doing what i love to do yeah i'm not taking no heed because of my color my skin and my gender i'm just saying i'm doing you know doing Mm -hmm. the work and then with the growth of like the clientele coming just to see me, I was like amazed and shocked because within I was still learning within the field, within myself. Well, we've talked before about like the profession being predominantly white and, mm-hmm. you know, trying to find some diversity, especially in Pittsburgh, is actually how we got to know each other. Yeah. So Julius and I were talking about, you know, bridging this gap here in Pittsburgh. So my thing was I've been at our practice for nine years 2011 and have always had a desire to hire a more diverse staff and just never it's you can only get applicants that apply right Mm -hmm. so then when in talking to julius in terms of like seeking out how can we have places to refer our clients to that would prefer to work to with people of color and it's just been a great you know opportunity to get to meet i met jessica last our last episode and now we have you here Mm -hmm. and i think that it's just such a wonderful thing to watch the work that you're doing and all the growth that you're having because these kids in Pittsburgh need it. Like, yeah, yeah, there's a lot of mental health issues. 
What are your thoughts in terms of like what community a child grows up in, what house a child grows up in, what school they attend? We've been talking a lot about like race and race relations and mm -hmm. not just that, like socioeconomic. A lot of kids didn't have access to internet when all of the school systems yeah. went down and mm -hmm. um, I still am doing phone phone to phone sessions with several of my clients because they don't have internet access. Right. So I feel like that's a big barrier to a a lot of people will look and be like, oh, kids are acting like that way. But like really, mental health can come from the environment that you grow up it, in, all it the stressors is, that you have. It is. It is. And, uh, and I take this to this day, even even though I graduated from Pitt back in, back in 2013, the first thing I learned when I got into grad school about mental health is that everything runs as a system. Mm -hmm. Every part equals a whole. If one part is affected... Everything else is affected. So when you look at a child in a particular environment and what we're going through with this pandemic right now, with schools being closed, that kind of affects them because they school they see school as a safe haven. They see the teachers and the other classmates that they interact with on a daily basis in school as a safe haven. Relationships are lost. And that Which kind is of what triggers makes you them. such an amazing social worker because you can snapshot a system and look for those broken yeah pieces. and that kind of triggers them and then another piece which you have brought up about their home environment like you said if they if there's no internet access in the home then that's another trigger too because it's like it's kind of putting them down to say well i don't have internet i can't do my school work so it's like oh i'm going to fail mm -hmm. um fail this grade and stuff then also your community surrounding, especially what's going on, what we see in the media today with the racism and things like that. That's another pile up on top of what they're going through as well. So basically, what are a lot the kids of things, saying about that? Because I know you have a lot of co teen contact right now. What, yeah, where, where so are they at with everything? Mainly, well, the kids that I have been dealing with, they're more younger, mm -hmm. but they're kind of aware to it. And they'll talk about how like it's um, sad to see like boys getting killed and stuff like that just for being who they are mm -hmm. and stuff like that i i know just like the the senseless violence you know mm -hmm. what i mean working at the caring place there are kids whose their dad goes to the store and he doesn't come back mm -hmm. you know somebody is involved in like something that you know maybe grandparents are raising kids so i feel like that the kids are extra sensitive to what's happening with the adults around them yeah. and yeah to not feel safe as as a child is probably the most terrifying mm -hmm. and heartbreaking yeah and the, and the crazy thing about it, it it is heartbreaking too because they if they already see it within their own neighborhoods and then they see it on media it's just saying that it kind of puts that picture in the head like nowhere is safe yeah. nowhere is safe to go to nowhere is safe I can't go outside I can't sit Did on my porch video? and stuff like that. I think that. Jessica might have posted it. This was months ago and it was so sad. It was like a little four or five year old boy playing in his driveway and his dad had like posted the video and he was like, we live in the suburbs in a residential area and the kid, you see him in the mm -hmm. basketball and you see a police cruiser come by and the kid just like ducks behind the car and waits for the police like to go past. And it was just like the kids are growing up to feel like they can't even trust right. authority figures. Mm -hmm. Do you find that that's that, a factor? I think it's, it is a, it's a factor. And it, what makes it a factor, too, is because what is being taught in the home and then also what is being seen on media. Like kids nowadays, kids easily, especially a, a kid like 
five or six years old, they have a cell phone nowadays mm -hmm. and they can easily look up stuff on their phone and see what is going on. And that kind of puts a thing in their mind to say, wow, if I see a cop, I'm going to have to, you know, duck. If I see a cop, I'm going to have to like run or stuff like that. Or if I see something that's not, you know, cool or anything, I need to stay away because yeah. I don't want to risk my life. Right. And it kind of hurts because a young child at a particular, at a young age, already seeing what's going on already, it's kind of putting that notion to say that I need to protect my, you know, protect be myself. And yeah, and be a, like, be alert, protect myself at a young age. And especially if you're like out playing, it's like, all right, I got to protect myself or no one else will. Right. And it's kind of, it's, it's a different, and the thing is, it's a different climate now, too, because back then, growing up, when I was a kid, I, I used to love going outside. I used to love. Where did you grow up at? I grew up in Philadelphia. And who so, raised you? My mm -hmm. mom. Okay. My mom. My mom. Anybody else? You have siblings? Well, yeah, I have siblings. The thing, my siblings, I have a brother and two sisters. Okay. Um, my brother came when I was 10, and then my two sisters came around during my teenage years. But um so were you used to being the only child? Yeah, I was other children. Yeah, I was used to being the only I was used to being the only child. It was me and my mom and my dad. Um in Philly and then always going to my granddad's house who I call Pop Pop. I still to this day I call him Pop Pop. Is he still in Philly? Yep, he's still in Philadelphia. Um What did he teach you? He just about like life for Well, in terms of life, I kind of um growing up with my granddad, I'll be honest, I was scared of him at the time. <laughs> I was scared of him at the time. I was scared of him at the time because he was most he was more stern and stuff. But then growing that now, talking to him about it, and how I was like, wow, I was used, like so afraid to talk to you about certain things because there was moments where I used to stay with him as a teenager mm -hmm. and stuff like that, and I um had moments where I was like I can't talk to him about it because he might yell or stuff like that but so then, did he have a strict way about him like you had to follow the rules and yeah you know. it was like more so it was more so follow the rules and stuff like that but he wasn't that strict it was just that persona mm -hmm. of being strict but then now being 30 years old and like I could talk like talk to him now like I could talk to him now about it like certain things and stuff now and then he always said, well, you know, one, you're the oldest grandchild and you're like my favorite grandchild because I never gave him like any. I wasn't never like a bad kid or anything like that mm -hmm. and stuff. But with him growing up, I thought he was more like stern, like, all right, you got to be on your best behavior because I don't want to make, you know, make him mad and stuff like that, which I never had that moment of making him mad. Right. It's just that I had that time frame in my head that like, oh. And I think as kids, they want to be pleasing towards the adults in yeah. their lives. They don't want to disappoint them. Mm -hmm. And so the um, Jessica and I talked about us being the sandwich generation of <laughs> trying to teach our parents and grandparents how to talk about mental health issues mm -hmm. and emotions. And it's easier for kids when they already have that language. So like now, like our generation is teaching the kids and teaching the parents yeah. at the same time, kind mm -hmm. of. So. Maybe if he had invited you to do that, it might have been different. But how cool is it that you can now have those conversations? Now, with talking with him now, it's, it's more like 
is more fulfilling because I could talk to him. And then even with my, with my dad too, like my mom and dad, they had split up when I was 10 years old too. This was before my brother came because there were moments when my mom and dad, when my mom and dad split and my dad moved to Alabama because that's where he's from. We moved to Alabama to take care of my, my grandma and my great grandmother at the time. I did. What was the split like for you? Yeah, I'll say now, to be honest, it was kind of hard. I did share with them how it was kind of rough at that moment at that time being a teenager because seeing my other siblings with their father and stuff like that it kind of was like triggering me saying i wish my dad you know wish my dad was here you know dad was here i don't want to be the third will and stuff like that and then i wasn't like comfortable to try to talk to my siblings fathers when it comes to certain things like that because they're like that's not my dad Mm -hmm. and stuff like that even though i was able to call my dad all the time and talk to him over the phone but it wasn't the same in terms of the physical aspect because i was so used to being me and him used to be at the hip all the time growing up and then now it's just like it's gone and stuff did it feel that you weren't important to him or what did it feel like because i think it's important for parents to consider that because like i said earlier sometimes parents will be like Oh, he looks fine. He's not complaining. Right. But, like, inside, you're like, oh. There was a time where I felt like it was more so, it hit me more so when I got kind of older. I didn't really play no mile as a teenager because I was, talk, was still talking to him and, mm-hmm. like, sending picture, like sending pictures and stuff like that. But I think it hit me older more so when I got into, like, my like early 20s and so. Gretchen, yeah, you had these siblings come along, dad moved to Alabama, and was it like mom had a new life, or was it an integrative life, what was that? So my mom, mom, she more so, it was like more so of a, I don't want to say integrative life, I think it was say more more so like a new life Mm -hmm. in terms, it was just her and us as kids. Yeah, it was just us. And that's a and huge her. age gap because you're 10 and babies can't do that. <laughs> yeah. It's not like you can go hang. So you said you loved like going out and was it into the neighborhood in Philly? Mm hmm. So out? it was that with the situation with my dad, it kind of it hit the triggering point when I had got older because high school wise, when I graduated from high school, he wasn't able to come to my graduation. And I didn't really pay it no mind at the time. Cause I was just happy to say, oh, I graduated high school. I'm going to Penn State for undergrad. Penn State graduation, he came. I was happy when he came for that. The second, And you the said co- the plan was to go right into college? Yeah. How did you have that like in your mind? Was that like your family or school or you knew what you wanted to do? I knew, what I, wanted, I knew what I wanted to do. I was like, I'm just excited to go to college. <laughs> I was just excited to go to college. And then plus, I'm like, Penn State, I can be home. I'm like, I don't got to be at home no more it was just like a sense of freedom because mm-hmm. i'll say to be honest well growing up teenage years i've kind of felt sheltered because mm-hmm. there were moments where i couldn't do like go out as much and stuff like that as a teenager because my mom was always safe safe with me and say well i don't want you to go to this place i want you to go to that place and then there was a moment i get upset like why i can't do this why i can't do that and stuff like that but then now i see now was the reason why she did those things but um for what reason? Was it maybe unsafe? It was some moments where she kind of felt like she didn't want me to be at the wrong place, like at mm-hmm. the wrong time at those times. And then mm-hmm. plus with me having so much, you know, intelligence and stuff ahead of me, she didn't basically didn't want nothing to happen to me. That's all it is. Yeah. And I kind of understood it. I understood it now. 
I know, stuff and like in that. regards to that, a lot of parents say, let me be the mean parent, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But at the time, it doesn't feel like that because your friends are doing something yeah. and you want to do something. Uh-huh. And then I, the moment where I was like, all right, I'm going to go to a graduation party, like go to a graduation party and stuff like that. And she's like, yeah, you can go. And I was surprised. I said, wait, you let me go to a graduation party? And she's like, yeah, you celebrate and stuff like that. And I said, okay. The Were pe- you in the city in Philadelphia? Mm-hmm. Okay. I was in the city of Philadelphia. Um, once I got to college and stuff, that's when I was able to see... It was kind of more so of being more in, like being independent, but then I already know if like if I needed something, I could always call her, or I, if I needed something, I could always call my dad. You know, he's you know far. I could still talk to him and stuff like that. What was your undergrad in? My undergrad, I have got my bachelor's in human development and family studies. Okay, so your dad was able to come. To my dad school. was able to come. He was only able to stay for like a little bit, but still, I was happy because. He was there. Did and he remarry or did he nah, have other kids? Uh-uh. I'm his only child. <laughs> I'm, his own, I'm his one and only. When he came to my Penn State graduation, that was like an amazing experience. I'm like, I have my mom. I have my dad. I have my siblings. And my grandfather came. So it was like all of us together. And then there was a moment where it was like, my major, we had like, it was like a luncheon thing. It was like the day before graduation. And we had took like a family picture, not with my siblings or my grandfather, but it was just me, my mom, and my dad. Mm-hmm. And I said, wow, this is like old, this is like old times. <laughs> this is like old times being a little kid in the middle, like, yeah. hey, mommy and daddy <laughs> and stuff. And then coming here to Pittsburgh, came to grass, came to grad school, knocked those two years out. Why did you pick Pittsburgh? The reason why I picked Pittsburgh for grad school was because. I was already started looking into schools. It was between Columbia University and Pitt. So I went when, to Pitt. Yeah, so when I did my research on Pitt and plus I had already knew some people here, like some of my fraternity brothers and stuff that's here. I knew some of them and did some visits and stuff before I made my decision. The good thing about it is once I got accepted, I had found out that the director of admissions of the School of Social Work was my fraternity brother at the time. I said, wow, what a surprise and stuff. He's like, wow, you didn't get accepted just because I'm your fraternity brother. You got accepted because you're academics. And I was like, I know that because that was a given. But, <laughs> but so you um, did a lot of studying at Yeah, I did a lot of, you know, a lot of stuff. And that's the thing. I always been that way. I always loved school. Even as a little kid, I always loved school. My mom told me when I was like two years old, when I, as soon as I picked up a pencil, that's when I started writing and talking and, you know, learning how to say my whole name and things like that. I always loved school. Mm-hmm. I never had issues with school. Always been an honor roll student and stuff like that. How about um, your fraternity? So did you join the fraternity I joined my, Penn State? I joined my fraternity at Penn State during my junior year. And what is the fraternity? My fraternity is Iota Phi Theta Fraternity Incorporated. I joined in the fall of 2009 and then since then, I've just been involved. I was going to say, I love it. You're still involved. Yeah, I'm still, still involved. I know that after, like, well, enduring all this, every whatever life is going on, you've told stories about, I'm doing this for the fraternity uh-huh. or that. So do they have, like, things that they raise money for? Well, yeah. So, like, when I joined the fraternity during my undergrad year, 
we had a, there's an undergrad chapter at Penn State. Then once I transitioned to come to Pitt for grad school, there's a grad alumni chapter that's here. So when you join a Greek organization, you're part of it forever. You're still part of it forever. I was saying once I had graduated from Penn State, I was like, I'm gonna still keep involved within my fraternity because I was already doing a lot of stuff at Penn State and stuff within my fraternity and then with other organizations I was a part of. So when I came to Pitt, came to Pittsburgh and went. Join grad, did my grad, you know, grad school. I was like, all right, I'm gonna get involved within the fraternity on on the graduate level, and that's when I've just been doing a lot of things here, and it kind of sparked up more. That's one of the things that I appreciate the most about you because (laughs) people will say like, oh, are you like, do you judge people or whatever? I I don't think as professionals we judge people, but we watch people and their actions, Mm -hmm. and you are just always so like full of energy and ideas and willingness to to stick it out when it's not working. And those are like wonderful qualities to have. And it's just amazing to see that you're able to put that to use even when you could be like, well, screw it. Like, I'm right. furloughed and yeah. this is bullshit and uh-huh. I'm upset. Like, because, like you said, days. Like, it probably had took some time to process and be like, hey, wait a minute. Because it's so easy to be like, what's wrong with this picture? Mm-hmm rather than what opportunities are here. Yeah. If, if I'm not up and out there, I'm not going to be of use to anybody. Mm-hmm. So can you talk a little bit about where that drive comes from? Who gave that to you? <laughs> <laughs> Keep it. I say the drive, I think it's just, it's just in me. I'll say it's just in me. And I could, I say I just thank God for it, for just give, having it in me just to have that drive. Like when the whole pandemic situation happened, and I was just emotional. I took it upon myself to go to therapy. This wasn't the first time I've been to therapy, everybody. I've been to therapy like more than once on what was three, the first time? three different occasions. So the first time I went to therapy was, I'll say 2016, 2017. You were around, here in Pittsburgh? So yeah, I was here in Pittsburgh. It was, I think it was around the time that I was in Family Links because I had got therapy through the EAP program. Oh. So... I had to went into therapy for the first time because I was so down and out on myself of me failing this licensing exam. Mm. What was your brain doing at that time? That moment, I was just wondering why I'm not passing this test. Mm. Other people around my circle is passing, getting their license, and I'm just me taking it. After, I think around that time, I took it four times mm-hmm. and stuff, and I was getting so close to it at that time too, but... It was so much stuff happening during that moment. Like either I had a death in the family when it was getting close to me taking the test, have going through family moments, going through like personal things within myself. So that's why I was like, you know what, I'm gonna go to therapy. Okay. Um, so you had a good experience the first time, which is great. We were telling yeah. people sometimes it takes two, three, four, five therapists. Mm-hmm. Like don't give up if it's not the first one. But I'm glad that you had a good experience because maybe the second time that let you know it was okay yeah to go the back. second time when i needed it i already told the eap program i said i'm going back to her again <laughs> <laughs> and what was going on at that the time? second time when i went to therapy for the second time it was for the fact that i was overcoming my seizures so in 2018 um around the thanksgiving holiday i was leaving Pittsburgh, going home to philly for the thanksgiving holiday out of nowhere, Thanksgiving morning, November 22nd, 2018, I woke up in the ambulance going to the hospital. People were saying that, oh, you had a seizure in your sleep. And I'm like, what? What do you mean I had a seizure in my sleep? And then there was moments, like, I was so mad that I was taking it out on my, like, I was taking it out on my mom, and then I was taking it out on my siblings, too. 
you were mad about your health or the, I was the fact at, you couldn't go home. I was mad about my I was mad about my health. I was mad about not coming back to Pittsburgh because then I was like, what's going to happen with my job and all that. Then I was worried about the kids, what how they going to feel and stuff like that. And then there was a moment in 2019, I had a meltdown. Mm. I had a big meltdown where I just cried and I just told my mom and my granddad over the phone. It was like a moment. My mom had said something and I was just sitting there doing something and she sparked a nerve and I just lost it. Mm. And when it went to a moment that I lost it, that's when I just started crying and I just let my emotions that I had held in for so long from 10 years old to now and since then when I had that meltdown moment I felt like it was like a release Mm -hmm. I felt like a release and then my mom and my my one sister they told me they was like well if you love to care so much about other people you need to care about yourself first because they know that I'm so much of a given person and, and you're like self care. Yeah, like, yeah, and I put my yeah, and I put my all to like a lot of things, but I don't really sit down and take the time for myself. Yeah. Once I had that breakdown moment, I kind of took it upon myself and say, all right, I need to process what I need to do so I can live mm-hmm. and stuff. And then that's when I joined my church back home in Philly. What did your granddad say when you were on the phone with him or he, going through the he, early when I was memory? going through the stuff? My granddad was saying that back then. I should have talked to him about certain things, but then I told him back then I was afraid to talk to him. <laughs> so, <laughs> so. Well, and that, how many men are comfortable and like talking about their feelings, especially yeah, from that generation? Right. Like, as a male, what do you see amongst other men? Now, well, back then there was moments like you can't share your emotions to you know other men or stuff like that because that makes you feel like you're weak. You gotta be like, oh, you're a man, be strong, tough it up. But now seeing what I've been through and how everyone is seeing what I went through and how that kind of affect me. I could have lost my life yeah. right now. But yeah. now being able to be accepting and saying, this is how I feel. Y'all got to accept my feelings. People are understanding it. Including my fraternity brothers. They're understanding okay. what it is and how I feel and how I say I need to address this and let this come out of me. So I won't have to hold it in so much. Yeah. It's up to us men that we got to be able to be comfortable to just talk to each other just in general and not just be so judgmental mm-hmm. and stuff like that. If some a man wants to ask you a question, be open to be open to that question. Don't be so judgmental about what that person is asking you because you never know that you might help that person just by being an open ear. Oh, definitely. Well, what did you say about your seizures? Like, should you worry that it's going to happen again? Or well, what? right now with my seizures, I'm still on my... I'm still on my medication. Was there a cause? The cause of it was sleep deprivation. That's the reason why. (laughs) The reason why. Yep. The reason why I was sleep deprivation. So when I had got the after the neurologist in Philadelphia did all the tests and stuff, I did a sleep exam and everything like that. That's when they said the seizures that I was having in my sleep was because I was sleep deprived. And when I found that out, that's when I left my other job. I left my second job, which was community psychiatrics doing the outpatient therapy where I had over 18 clients. I said, you know what? I got to (laughs) leave. And in our culture, especially in America, it's go, go, go. The more productive you are, we congratulate you. Um, You know, we were calling it the most um, accepted form of addiction Mm -hmm. is work. Like you don't take a vacation. Congratulations. You're, Mm -hmm. you're killing it. But like, that's not, it's 
It's not gonna be. You're gonna crash. Yeah, and that's what happened. I crashed, everybody. I crashed, mm-hmm. but I I see it as a learning lesson now, and how I have to listen to my body. If my body says that I'm tired. I got to take that break. I have to relax, take a nap, sleep. Listen to a good podcast. Oh, yes, yes, yeah. (laughs) You know, I talk to people about sleep hygiene as Mm -hmm. an idea. Can you talk about maybe some of the listeners have a hard time, like, figuring out what steps to take in order to get better sleep? Yeah, and surprisingly, I talked about this on one of my JG Mental Health Friday videos about sleep and how it's important that we need to focus, take care of our bodies when it comes to sleep. Mm -hmm. And the main coping exercises that everyone can do when it comes to sleep is one final routine to be able to go to sleep at a particular time. Like myself, I had to set a routine for me to go be in bed by at least nine o'clock at night. And once you set that routine, that has your body to process to say, okay, you got to be in bed by nine o'clock. Also, eliminating things at a particular time. So like food and drinks that are very high sugary or something that's going to keep you up in the yep caffeine something that's going to keep you up in the middle of the night do not eat or drink that past seven o'clock because you already know that's going to have you up Mm -hmm. um and then one more thing is just exercising and exercise can be a a general thing that you see fit that doesn't mean you have to take do a 10 mile run just see something that fits within yourself that you can do to get your body more energized and have your body, you know, get your body worked up. Because when you work out or when you exercise, your body can feel that moment to say, okay, you did enough work within your body. It's time for you to lay it on down. So <laughs> Right. Well, and that helps your body rest. Yes. You get that energy uh, get that out. Energy like, we out. see it with kids all the time, too. What about, like, social media at night? Do you recommend that? With social media, if you feel as though that it's going to trigger or hinder you, it's okay to take a mental health break from it. Mm-hmm. It's okay to take a break from it. It's okay to, like, turn your phone off for, like, an hour or so and stay away from things because there are some things on social media that could trigger you. Mm-hmm. And it don't even have to be something negative. It could be something positive and it puts you, like, in a mindset to say, I wish I was at this place, or I wish I was doing this, or I wish I was doing that, or, or, or that person's, or that person's doing way better than me, and I should be on a level and stuff like that. And if you feel that particular way, and you feel like you need to stick, like step back and stay away from it, it's okay to step back and stay away from it. Social media or people on social media compare what you know your greatness is you know who you are as an individual you know who you are as a person you know what your gifts your talents your skills are and you should not let no one dictate what you're capable of doing so like i said everybody i do um jg mental health fridays i do it every friday on facebook instagram and linkedin where i just talk about different topics and i give coping exercises and that was sort of birthed from COVID. When yeah, that was birthed. That was birthed from COVID, and the reason why I started it because I felt since I wasn't working and being furloughed, I was like, I'm not doing anything. I felt like I was worthless at the time, but I was like, you know what? I'm gonna find something. And then God put it in my head and said, "You're gonna do JG Mental Health Fridays." Since then, it's and been then three months now. And when you're consistent with that, and you're putting your love and passion into it, it can only like grow from there. Yeah, you know, and it has people been then learn to depend on that. Mm-hmm. Almost, it has been growing. And the thing is, when I always 
talk about it in my video as i said i always ask people if they have any words or topics that they want to address for me well for me to address on the videos they could just contact me yeah. and lately people have been doing that oh, people have been giving me feed positive feedback and saying thank you for making these videos because i watch you every friday or mm. just thank you for talking about this topic or some people will say oh i want you to talk about this topic and then even with some topics that people give to me there's like oh i don't know what this i don't know about it so i do like my own research on it but then also when i do my own research on it i put like a little twist to it so i could better like so everybody could better understand what it is mm -hmm. and stuff too and also put my own flavor to it so people can know that it's coming from me it's like generally coming from me especially if it's a particular topic that i could relate to or a topic that kind of hits home to me i'll just talk I, and i could talk for days when it comes to it that's why i'm so glad i only do it at least by 10 minutes or so because right. oh my when i do my recordings on my phone they'll give me like a limit say oh you got such, such seconds left i'm like all right this is perfect timing interesting though because some people let that hold them back of i don't know how to do it or mm -hmm. like you can expect that i'm sure your first two videos much like our first few podcasts like they're not where you are two years from then. So unless you get it out there, mm -hmm. like you don't have a, a place to, you know, grow from. Yeah. And I look at the videos, I look at it as a way that I'm still helping others during this pandemic. But also I'm helping myself too. Because I sometimes, there are moments where I look at my videos myself and I'm like, I can't believe I said that. But then I took it upon, I watch it and took what I say and put it into practice within myself too. Yeah. You know, kind of like practice what you preach. It kind of like helps me out and it kind of gives me motivation to say, even though this situation has happened with my job, even though this is going on, I'm still helping people. I'm still doing what I love. I still living within my purpose. I'm still living in my passion and i'm well, helping people and i'm helping people all over what you said was practice what you preach maybe we could talk a little bit to the audience about how hard that is mm -hmm. because people will be like i don't know there was a meme too that i saw that was like when i start taking my own advice it's over for you bitches mm -hmm. <laughs> like, and everybody can really relate to that like oh my friend's going through this and i know what i would tell them but mm -hmm. like do you have any idea why we have such a hard time doing that for ourselves I think we have a hard time doing it within ourselves because we feel as though we don't need that help. And I took or it upon, or we better, should yeah. do better. And the reason why I brought up that practice with your preach aspect because at that time when I was sick with my seizures, mm -hmm. and my sister and my mom said, "Well, you need to care for yourself and stop caring. You know, care for yourself so you can be able to care for other people." It hit home because I'm like, all right, I'm telling people to go seek help, get the advice, giving them advice of what they need to do. But I need to take advice within myself yeah. and get the help that I need within myself so I can be able to give the help to other people. Yeah. So So when you were in Philly, did you contact your Pittsburgh therapist? or how, You said you the second time you went back to therapy, that was around that time. Yeah, so the second time I went to therapy, it was around that time. And I actually contacted my therapist here when I came back to Pittsburgh. So when I came back to Pittsburgh, <laughs> yeah, when I came back to Pittsburgh, February 2019, that's when I was like, you know what, I'm gonna go back to therapy. I'm gonna go back to therapy and just get just to keep myself in a positive state. Because when I left home after going through everything and just letting things out, I was kind of like more upbeat and more positive. And I was like, you know what, I'm gonna go back to therapy so I can continue to make that positive state. So I won't come back and get triggered back over again and stuff so good for you because some people might be like i'm good yeah like, i'm feeling better but mm -hmm. no like it's 
when and Jessica and I brought this up when you're feeling good like you should say oh hey maybe therapy could help me in ways that I didn't even know right. even when I'm doing okay mm-hmm. so good so yeah, yeah I went and um, took those free successions and mm-hmm. it helped me a lot and it kind of helped me to be where I am today like when I came back to Pittsburgh in 2019 everything was on a high like everything was on a high like I've been speaking at different speaking engagements and during those speaking engagements I'll just share my story what I've been through and how with me being a therapist I've been through things that anybody can go through and just when I came back and just get to that point of having that return of love when i got back to work and seeing them kids and how they just embraced me back like i never left Mm -hmm. that touched my heart so that 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 just touched me and then my fraternity brothers they embraced me back and then everything just started picking back up just stuff just started happening and i'm like this is god this is god's time and this is just happening for a reason i went through a breakdown a breakdown moment and now i'm going through a breakthrough Mm -hmm. and i'm still on this high to this day even with the pandemic happening I'm, and with me not working i'm still on this high because jg mental health fridays is happening and you're doing stuff all the time yeah i'm I always you, like, doing stuff for this group i'm speaking and doing this i'm speaking yeah, i'm speaking on different panels virtually which is um, is was amazing it, who was the guy from california that was an amazing oh program. yeah that was so good that, and that happened that more so happened because he contacted me after seeing my video he saw because me and him, we're actually in like black men social work groups on Facebook and stuff like that. Did he call you the one percent? Like, what is like the black, the male black mental mm-hmm. health? Yeah. Male. So he during that pop, well during that um video interview that we did, he was saying that it's a short percentage of black male therapists because there's a lack of us that's not being shown, in which we do exist. But it's not being shown as much. And it's up to us to be able to show people that, yeah, there are black male therapists that's out here. There are black male social workers that are out here. What do you think are some barriers to having more people going into the profession? I think the barriers are, I'll say one, money. I was gonna say money Money is the main thing and I think money is more so money in terms of the career aspect it's like alright if I'm joining or if I'm gonna do this career I hope I get some money towards it mm-hmm. but then with me when I joined and got into this career I wasn't really worried about the money there was I did question it here and there I'll be honest Would I did question yeah, there was some That's moments. Expensive. But it wasn't like as much, but I'm talking about after the fact, like while you're in your career, just saying, oh, I got these degrees, I should be making big money <laughs> and stuff like that. But still waiting. Yeah, but it's more so that if you want to be in this field, you have to have a passion to be in the field. It doesn't matter of how much money you make mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Well, like with me being in this field, I, I'm in this field because I love the work that I'm doing. I love helping people. I've been helping people since I was 15 years old, yeah. volunteering at hospitals in Philadelphia, doing Ron McDonald House and stuff like that. And I still do it to this day. Even outside of work, doing stuff within my fraternity and in the community, I just love doing those things because I love helping people. And it makes me feel good. It does my heart good just to give back to um, to others. What's the difference in between Pittsburgh and Philly? 
Do you feel like, and I ask that from like a race standpoint, just because Pittsburgh, we've talked about um, on this podcast, feeling as though it's segregated mm-hmm. in a lot of ways that, you know, you have the South Hills, you have the North Hills, you have the East End, you have the West End, and that there's not a lot of opportunity the way there would be in a bigger city like New York City mm-hmm. or Philadelphia to to have a lot of integration within the community. I wouldn't say there's a difference between the two based on my experiences of being in both of the cities. I'll say like, just like Pittsburgh is segregated by different neighborhoods, Philadelphia is the same way. It's segregated by different neighborhoods. Do you think we're behind the times in Pittsburgh when it comes to race and race relations? I think it's more, I think it's the same. The way I see it, I think it's the same. I'm seeing like whatever that's happening here in Pittsburgh is probably happening in Philly. And the only reason why I know about that because the conversations I have with my mother. I talk to my mom ever since this pandemic happened. I talk to my mom like almost every day. Yeah. <laughs> if, it's, if it's through a text message or just phone calls. Yeah. And now with her being on Instagram and stuff now too. She'll video call me on Instagram. Especially when it comes to like schools and stuff like that. With my sibling, well my two sisters still mm-hmm. being in school. Um, we'll compare and contrast and say, well, this is going on here in this school district. And then she'll tell me what's going on back home yeah. in the school district. So it's kind of like similar similar, similar aspects. But career-wise, I don't know if it's the same or if it's different. But I think more so when it comes to both of those cities, I think it's more of an aspect of just getting your foot in the door. Yeah. Knowing what you want to do. That's what it is. Well, and just what you said like about that passion piece of it. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, when we were talking about the Black Lives Matter movement, I want to get your take on the protests because I know that you were able to get to some of them. Mm-hmm. And actually, I don't know if you know, one of our other offices is in Shaler. So did you hear about the, the incident at Shaler last mm-hmm. weekend? Okay, so I actually screenshotted some things because I was like, I'm going to bring this as a little bit of oh, wow. <laughs> of like an example because... This is, you know, a lot of questions that people have, and I feel like you can give us, like, the insider from attending some of the protests. Mm So what had happened was last week and on Saturday, the Black Lives Matter, um, there was an alumni of Shaler High School and parents and children who said, we want to have an event, Mm -hmm. and we want to have speakers come, and that was approved by the township, and it was set the area right outside of the middle school, which kind of, like, the main road runs down. So it was announced, blah, 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 blah. So maybe a week before the event, the rally was supposed to take place, then there was a counter organization called Back the Blue. I don't know Mm -hmm. if they're an actual organization or if this was whatever. So it was all these advertisements of Back the Blue, come and support the police officers. And so they decided to have their event at 3 p.m. when the Black Lives Matter event started at 4 p.m., at the exact same location. Oh, wow. So, as a result, the people who had approved these, they were like, you know, no. Because that's going to be antagonized. Like, to what point? If you want to have, you know, your own event at your own time in your own space, like, you're more than welcome and able to do that. But why choose That's that so day? bold of them. Yes. So, then, there was some talk of the... Back the Blue is now canceled because of credible threats made against us by the Black Lives Matter people. And it was like, no, that's not even true. It was the people that said, that's not right. You can't do that. So all of a sudden it's turned to 
it's the Black Lives Matter. Mm-hmm. It's this. It's mm-hmm. it's they. It's them. It's like people you should be afraid of. Like whatever it is. And I think that somebody had mentioned to me last week, a white woman, middle aged. She was like, I really want to be more involved. I don't know what to do. She she's like, I feel bad. She lives in Robinson Township. I feel bad that in the last week I can say like I haven't even crossed paths. And the pandemic, mm-hmm. we're not out and about. Right. And she said. There's nobody of a color where I live, and I feel like I want to be more involved. So, like, some people are coming from this standpoint where they don't know people. They don't know black people. They don't know people of color. They don't go outside of themselves to kind of, like, invite that in. So, anyway, they were saying, you know, we're for the police. We want to protect the police, blah, blah, blah. So, all of a sudden, it's become the police or black lives. And I don't think that those are mutually exclusive. I don't think Mm -hmm. that the movement is saying, like, all police officers are bad or kill police officers mm-hmm. or harm police officers. And I don't think that all police officers, you know what I mean? It's right. kind of like that. But it was made that way, like by these mm-hmm. this organization. The Shaler Township Police on their Facebook page posted, we will be closing this street on this day and this time, period. Mm-hmm. And then like all the comments started like, well, there was a back the blue and they told us like we weren't allowed to do it. And it's not fair that kids can't have graduation, but the school district is putting on all this. And it was just blown out of proportion and ridiculous, if you ask me. It became all of the businesses are scared. <laughs> the businesses are closing down. Watch your houses. You better have homeowner's insurance. I'm telling you, like, this shit was crazy. I'm wow. reading through these things like, what? Like, and what are you even talking about? We have all lives matter. That includes our police. Wait until the winter. Nobody's going to want to come out then. Um, one woman said, these comments make me embarrassed to be a resident here. Like, because the people were just, like, back and forth. The Black, Back the Blue had to be canceled. Um, why is the other protest not canceled? Yes, we had to cancel due to threats against us. The police will have a lot on their plate this afternoon, trying to keep everybody safe. You know, we are going to reschedule. Otherwise, it'd be a counter-protest. And it's like, well... Why were you going to even start a counter-protest? Like, you're the one... I don't know. Mm -hmm. It was just, Black Lives Matter is running this country now. I love people of all color, but I won't support Black Lives Matter organization. It's just... What? (laughs) 355 comments. Enjoy yourself Uh, at some point, or don't, because it's just... It's ridiculous to me that it's become this politicized people fighting against people when it comes to humanity. Like, it comes to lives, and it comes to... And every time this, like, all lives matter comes up, it's like, what was the meme? Like, this house is on fire. It doesn't mean the neighbor's house doesn't matter. It's this house is on fire, and Mm -hmm. we need to give it attention. Right. And love, and, like, you know. So, yeah, it's just crazy that it has become this, you're for this or you're for that, Mm -hmm. and there's no in-between. So I wanted to clarify with you, because there was a gentleman all over this post who was like, I've been to all of the protests and they're 99.9% peaceful. <laughs> so when this protest happens, and this was leading up, people were like, be scared, be scared, be scared. So what happened was, I'll real quick like close it up. So the event happened mm-hmm. and some of the Blue Lives Matter still showed up. On the other, they were each on either side of this, the boulevard is what they call it. Some township employees that worked the event, I wasn't able to go, I had a um, prior engagement, said the Black Lives Matter event the pro i don't even want to say protesters the participants Mm -hmm. were some of the most kind respectful 
everybody had on masks. Everybody was social distance. Everybody was respectful and listening to the, um, the speakers and everything. And on the other side, you had these people with microphones and no masks, all in their Trump attire, and yelling, kill transgendered people, was recorded and posted on the wow. Facebook. So, I mean, and it was like on the news, too. It was pretty serious. At some level, I'm like, okay, um, there was a big petition of parents going to the Shaler School District saying we want more diversity and we want better curriculum great start. There was somebody who organized this event. Great start. Like you go further up north, like Gibsonia, Hampton, I don't mm -hmm. think they even had like events towards that, but that you still have this pocket of people that just wants to fight. And if you're going to fight for police by making them more susceptible by your violence, does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Like the police are not going to be safe if you are trying to attack this protest, but you're saying that you're for the police. So right. anyway, thoughts about that. I know that's a lot. And yeah. being at the protests, I know so that you... So I've been to three different, I don't want to say protests, but more so three different events. The first event was the George Floyd event that happened downtown. I remember texting you and being like, that, are you safe? That event, to be, that event, that was peaceful. It was peaceful. And everybody look that way. Everybody, versus. I'll say everybody from different races, ages, everybody was in unison. Mm -hmm. We all wore masks. And it was just, it was peaceful till it got to that point that that random person threw that stuff on that police car and bombed that police car. From Shaler. And mm -hmm. when that happened, and the crazy thing is, now nowadays with technology, you're not safe and turn and say oh they're not gonna catch me because an hour later after that after that protest yeah. i went home yeah. yeah i came home and i looked and i saw on facebook they said oh here's the guy that threw the stuff on the police car i was like wow and then and do you feel like at that point it gave people like something because they said antifa right mm -hmm. so then it became Antifa better not come here. That that became like the yeah. code word for mm -hmm. Black Lives Matter or whatever. It's just right. kind of like an undertone. And then also when that situation happened, well, before they even said who it was, mm -hmm. when that bombing thing happened and I was there, I was thinking in my head, I was like, I hope the media don't say that was us doing it. And stuff, cause that's how some it will be portrayed. They say, "Oh, they bombed our, you know, police cars and stuff like that." And then the whole looting situation and all that, which that wasn't the case. That all led off because of that one random guy mm -hmm. that wasn't even for the situation. They just went to start crap. Right. That's what it was. And do you feel like the people that were doing like the destruction and damage? What do you think that was a result of? Was it? Was there police force happening then? Um, I know downtown was kind of unsafe that night. That's when they shut everything yeah, down. Yeah, they shut everything down. Luckily, I wasn't around that time. I was home when I saw that happen. Yeah. But I think police force happened more because they was damaging downtown. Yeah. Downtown mm -hmm. was getting damaged bad. And, stuff. And, then, and people don't feel safe. So what do people do from a mental health standpoint mm -hmm. when they don't feel safe? Right. See, and that's the thing. Normally... If you don't feel safe, you're supposed to call the police when you don't feel safe. But then nowadays, you don't even know if you can even trust the police for safety mm -hmm. and stuff like that. So it's just like, what's next? What can you do? And what has been your experience as a black male with 
law enforcement. The only time I had an incident when it came to like law enforcement, it was last year. Yeah, last year in Moreauville. I was driving in a particular neighborhood. It was me and one of my fraternity brothers. We was together and we were driving in a particular neighborhood where there was nice houses and stuff like that. And a police officer stopped me. He was like questioning me and, you know, I wasn't you know, belligerent or anything like that. I, you know, said like who, what my name was and everything like that. And I think he was just trying to question me because it's like, oh, why are you in, you know, in this neighborhood? And stuff, and I was like, you know, I live here. I live in Mar- I live in Moreauville and stuff. And he was asking me questions, and I was giving him, you know, dishing out what he needed. And then that's when he left me alone. And then my fraternity brother was like, "You see, this is we. This is crazy that you're right. being being right. judged, and you live in this neighborhood." Right so, before George, the George Floyd incident happened, I was sitting at a neighbor's house. Um, an older lady and her granddaughter was there, and her granddaughter's boyfriend was coming mm-hmm. over. And where we live, it's not like a neighborhood neighborhood, so you gotta kind of like go around to the back mm-hmm. kind of thing. And he popped like around, and he was like, "Okay, good." He's like, uh, "Seriously, I'm not trying to get shot around here." And it was just like, "Oh," and he was like, "No, I'm serious." And then we had gotten to talking, and he said. You know, once I was pulled over um, in a neighborhood, and I really appreciated the guy. He was just like, you don't look like you belong in this neighborhood. What are you doing? And he was like, delivering phone books <laughs> or like whatever yeah. it was he was doing. It's like questioning like, why you're driving. There was a video that I saw of a police officer who was black who was pulled over by another police officer. And he said he was like scared because mm-hmm. of the way he was. And he was like where's your gun and he's like i'm not grabbing my id i'm not grabbing anything like i'm keeping my hands up here and the guy was like where are you headed and he told him and he's like well why didn't you go this way and it's like what does that mean what does that matter to you like (laughs) and that's it's so it's this the questioning piece it's a trigger it's a trigger it's like why you're questioning me of what i'm just doing you know what we're doing on a regular basis and stuff like that don't you have other things to worry about that's more important like crime related stuff right and things like that and back to like the protest situations like the three participations that i've been through there were peaceful like that first time the joy for situation was peaceful until that situation happened the second time i went to antoine rose's um mm-hmm. celebration that was beautiful was a balloon release? it was the balloon, mm-hmm. b- balloon release for his anniversary of his passing and that was beautiful and what 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 did the community do like was it like speakers or like yeah so the way it was set up was we all met outside of the connect center which is nathaniel carter's um center in east pittsburgh so we all met up there yeah i love that place we do tea nights there all the time (laughs) with my fraternity we started at his center and then we marched up marched through east pittsburgh and we they had like actually a stage set up and on the block where anton roses was murdered at and on that block that's when they had like different speakers singers nathaniel spoke anton roses mother spoke and then she made that talked about her feelings and stuff about it and then that's what led into her talking about her starting this foundation um, in memory of, of her son and everything. And then that led it to us marching to Lincoln Highway to see his band, to see his um, billboard and then the release of balloons. Mm. It was real peaceful. There was no drama, nothing at all. 
And like I said, it was all different kinds of different kinds of people. Mm-hmm. No, regardless of race, gender, sexuality, regardless, everybody was just coming together. Yeah. And it was it was beautiful. It was a good. It was a nice time. Mm-hmm. And then recently, I participated in the march for Jalen Brown. Mm-hmm. So Danielle Brown is the mother of the late Jalen Brown, who was a Duquesne student that jumped from the 16th floor of Brodier Hall and Danielle Brown she's from DC she came here I think a few weeks after Antoine Rose's celebration because she was actually at the celebration too and she shared her story about mm-hmm. Jalen's passing and everything and recently she had came here she stayed in the Hill District at Freedom Corner and she said she was fasting she was staying there fasting until she get answers from Duquesne University and the day before the march, me and another one of my fraternity brothers, we went there and gave her some water and multivitamins and stuff like that, just to, you know, show her some support. And then the next day, we went to the, you know, went to the march. That march, even though it wasn't as large as how the George Floyd march was, but mm-hmm. it it was a good amount of people that was there just to support her mm-hmm. and support her cause. And like I said, everybody from every diversity came together and support. No issues happened at and all. And nobody was looking to be violent. Nobody one was looking to be violent. No, the police property. wasn't there to be violent and nothing like that at all. Yeah. They, it was everybody was to support. She, Danielle Brown, shared her story about what happened, and she also talked about what she really wanted from Duquesne. That's and what was the reason why she was fasting and why she was staying there. I think ever since last year, she had requested for some things. And one thing that stuck out to me was that she requested mental health services mm-hmm. at Duquesne University. And I said, yes. <laughs> I said, yes. And I and I said, it's needed because even staff members at Duquesne University would need some mental health, especially the campus police. They would need what's needed mm-hmm. because you And we talk know. about like teachers who are teaching students and doctors who are taking care of patients and mm-hmm. who are the helpers right. doing the helping and what is their mental health yes. like? Yes, yeah. Um, particularly in Antoine Rose's case, the officer that shot him, correct, was moved from Pitt to a different police force? Mm-hmm. So that's another thing. If you're going to misbehave and be put into another, the same role and yeah. just as dangerous, it's almost like the Catholic Church thing. Like mm-hmm. you just move people around and that's not systematically taking taking down from the top what you know is not working right because when she talked about her things that she was request like requesting Duquesne to do and I looked at some looked at the stuff that she was talking about and what stuck out was that mental health piece and I said yeah this is important this should be in the school anyway Mm -hmm. and stuff especially for the students it doesn't really add up of why what a person will, yeah. of what happened and stuff yeah. like that. Even when she shared the story to us during that march, it was like, that's kind of weird. You know, it's kind of weird for that to happen and stuff like that. What so, was their story? Well, she was sharing what was told to her of what it was. And that I'm, it was a suicide? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And I'm like, that kind of, the way she was explaining it kind of didn't really seem like it was that way. Yeah. Especially on your birth. Like, why would you want to do that on your birth, like on your actual birthday? Mm-hmm. And then also, she was saying the full investigation has to happen within the campus police, the RA, and his like his peer group that he was with mm-hmm. before the situation happened. 
So, but they didn't have any connection to who might have been responsible, or right. they did. No, no, they don't. And or they might do, but we don't don't right. know. So that's, well, and mental health is so like at a heart of all of this, which is why I'm so glad that we're having this conversation because people will again make that assumption of defund the police means insert whatever tragic thing is going to happen if money goes into social services mm-hmm. but i'm so mad i'm like the name is like that the name of the person is evading me right now but um sean king's looking into it it's a one maybe a, a couple of years ago that happened but the gentleman he was also killed while in police custody and his crime was he was trying to use the bathroom at are you familiar with that case he was trying to use the bathroom at a community center and his you know take of course is if there's a white person trying to use it are the cops going to be called why were the cops called because he had a little chihuahua and they were like you can't have dogs in there but the man was like possibly homeless at that time it was his emotional support animal and he didn't want to leave it and so the cops got called because someone at the center said this guy's trying to use the bathroom and he has his dog they came and for an hour questioned and investigated him and he's like i need to go to the bathroom so they let him go and while he was in the bathroom they ran his background and found that he there was a charge against him for a marijuana pipe not drugs not marijuana but like a pipe and so they were like real quick to be like we're gonna have to arrest you the dog goes to the ground the guy's screaming for his dog he gets like he's being violent so then he's and again like that was the process of kneeling on somebody and then like next thing you know it and that's it's sad to even it's it's sad because every like story that's been going on right now they're so quick to just attack instead of ask questions first before you do what you got to do you got to ask questions first surprisingly this situation happened I just learned about it this year, but it was a situation that happened with a guy that lives in State College, mm-hmm. and he had a mental health disorder, and the police ended up killing him, not knowing that he had a mental health disorder and stuff like that. Well, like that. you said, a question and, of like, and then this hey, is dude, why, let me hold your dog. Right, and this is why, and then with that situation with that person that got killed at State College, I'm like, this is why... Y'all need to ask, like, train, be trained to ask questions first before you make decisions or have somebody with you to be able to ask those questions. Like, have a therapist or a social worker be with you during those times so they can ask questions of what is needed or what needs to be done before you do what you have to do. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing. Like, everybody, police officers holding back yeah, while there's somebody, like doing, somebody doing their doing job. Work. Yeah. <laughs> so, that situation that happened at State College, that could have easily been done if somebody was with that police officer and say, let me talk to this person first, see what's going on. And then once they found out that that person had a mental health, you know, diagnosis or something like that, then they could work their way, work their way something to something more feasible or better instead right. of just automatically just killing. Same well, thing. Well, like that guy that I was just talking about. Yeah, like, same thing like that. Let me play with your dog while right. you use the bathroom. Go on your way. Or uh, Raymond Brooks. You talk to him for 46 minutes and then you're going to decide to give him a breathalyzer and try to like, again, be quick. Like if, if somebody's coming at you, you're going to react. Like right. you're, you're not going to be like, okay, mm-hmm. we're going to have to take you in. Like all of that. And I am so sad that I can't remember that guy's name because it popped into my head. Like this is why it's say their names there's so many incidents you can't even keep it straight at this point and then mm-hmm. people are just like oh yeah that happened 
I'm really going to give a lot of attention at this time. It's a tragedy. I'm moving on with my life. And now I think we're like, how many months in, how many weeks in? And people are like, still? Mm-hmm. What? Yeah. So any thoughts that you have in terms of what happens next in our community? Like what actionable steps can people take to say this isn't okay? Phone calls need to be made. Community centers. I was talking to Jessica. Um, I said, maybe it's just my pipeline dream mm-hmm. that like we have places in the community for everybody and we have social workers there and we have elders working with kids and we have people supporting. I agree I say we all gotta just get hit the ground running and just be involved and just educate each other on certain things especially what's going on right now like I'll say right now it's hot it is hot and we're all going through it and we just need to support one another having different events conversations discussions just using our voice Mm -hmm. to just be able to make a change and make action the protesting and like doing the you know petition and phone calls and stuff like that it's a it's a start it is a start because it is getting noticed it's getting Mm -hmm. noticed but it's time we're gonna have to do some like still do some more stuff and what's your take on like portland and michigan like and everything because pittsburgh Knock on what? <laughs> like we, like you said, it's been very peaceful, but like there are different hot spots. Yeah, there there are different hot. There are different hot spots that's doing like a lot of stuff and things like that. But but even with the hot spots that are doing like a lot of stuff, people should take like pay attention to it. They shouldn't just wipe the wipe the slate clean or just pay a dust and say, oh, they just burn stuff down. All right, it'll be all right within the next week. No, mm-hmm. this is a time where you need to open up and talk about what's going on. This is a time that you need to open up and use your resources, use what you're able to give to help people during this time. That's why I'm glad I'm doing JG Mental Fridays and stuff like that. Even though I'm not like a big legislative person and like make policy changes and stuff like that i'm just using my platform Mm -hmm. to help people during this time because people might need it especially what is going on in society if i'm able to go to a protest or something or go to a participation i'll make it the best of my ability to to do it Mm -hmm. i don't go to all of them but i know certain ones that i'll say oh yeah i'm definitely going to join and uh, if i have no people that will want to come with me i'll say come on come with me <laughs> and stuff so i won't be by myself <laughs> well you're always a proponent of you know what's going on with everything you know yeah. what i mean you pay attention yeah, I pay and attention. i think if people just learn to pay attention a little bit yeah that that's what it is too. pay attention just pay attention and don't think that it's not affecting you because like i said before we everything runs as a system we are all part of this system mm-hmm. if one part is affected everyone is affected so everyone is being affected by this yes. we are all being affected by it we're all being affected by the pandemic we're all being affected by police brutality we are all being affected by by racism we are all being affected by our jobs we are all being affected about anything mm-hmm. so we shouldn't be like oh this is not my problem this is not this is all of our problems mm-hmm. yeah it's all of us it affects all of us if we know somebody that's dealing with an issue right now it's not just going to affect them it affects us too because we have a relationship with that person that's a very good point I know I got deep, but it is what it is. It is what it is. I think that that's something that people really need to keep at heart because, like, it, it it's affecting everybody and blaming 
criticizing, mm-hmm. finger pointing, it's going to get nowhere. Yeah. Like people get real loud on, and I think that especially now we're approaching a, a, an election, mm-hmm. a pretty important one, yeah. that people are just like, I just want the greater good for everybody. Like, I don't want there to be inequality in the schools. Like, mm-hmm. what do I do about that? I don't want there to be. So right. what are ways that maybe people who live in the suburbs, like that woman who said, I don't have a lot of people in color in my area. Like, how I do say, I help? I say with her, like with people that's like in not, in different neighborhoods that do want to seek and get help. I, I mean, help people. I just say, do your research. Social media is a big thing, even though some people like to tear it down and just do a lot of different things on there but it's up to you just search what you want to do search different things google what name like different organizational or programs or events that are happening in the city or in your suburb area that relates to particular topics that that touches you and just just do it well, we have brought up before Coco Preneur. Um, uh-huh. yeah. yeah. And so that's a great way to be like, what am I buying and who am I buying from mm-hmm. and where can, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's just little connections like right. that. Right. Or even with like Jessica with her t-shirts. Like, <laughs> Hey, where, who's representing <laughs> Jessica? I'm going to take a picture of Johnny. <laughs> no, I, I ain't wearing my shirt, wear a shirt today. But Surprise. I always, but I always support her. I always, prom- yeah. like even the, I was going to say you were such the supporter of yeah because when she brought up the idea and this is when i had just came back the pittsburgh me and her met up again in march of last year and she told How me did you meet? well i met jessica back in 2017 when i was working at community empowerment and she had like a speaking event at ccac homewood and then she asked me if i wanted to speak and i said yeah i'll do it <laughs> i'll speak so me and my supervisor at the time we spoke there and this is then we had connection we kind of had not fall out, but we didn't talk as much mm-hmm. until I had came back to Pittsburgh once I had got well and stuff from my seizures and everything. And once we had connected back, it was kind of like we never, you know, never lost low touch. Is as, I like her as much as I we never lost you. Touch. you guys are great. We never lost touch. And when she told me the idea that she was doing the mental health t-shirts, I was like, wow, this is amazing. And when we met in March that one time, she had the portfolio. The mm-hmm. book was ready. She had all the different designs ready to go. And she was like, pick your top 12. And I'm like, come on, this is hard to choose. I was like, this is hard to choose. You got all these good ones. And I had to pick my top 12. And then that's You got to start somewhere, right? Yeah. Like she said with the videos. Mm-hmm. Or the and then podcast. that's when she, um, and then that's when she's like, well, June, I'm going to launch it. And I want you to be in the first shoot. And that first shoot, we, was, we did it in Highland Park. That was the first release. Of when she was releasing the shirts yeah. and then after that once she started getting known that's when we started doing more photo shoots and backdrops so and then me and her together and all that stuff like that taking pictures and stuff like and whenever she put the pictures up i'll put it on my page and then i share it out to people and like even today as like a throwback thursday type thing i put the pictures that we did from way the beginning to recent that's and fun. stuff and I say if you didn't get your shirt get your shirt and then one person that I know she's like I only got two shirts I say well I got five <laughs> well and now there's sleeves for the uh, yeah, uh-huh. and yeah. when she was in last week when we recorded she had a box with her and she said Check this out, and now there's gonna be hats. Uh huh. Yeah. And I, I said, I told, her, I said, I was like, next you going? And I told her this too. I said, watch. I told her March last year. I said, watch when this blow up. 
once these shirts blow up, you're going to have to make bracelets, you're going to have to make hats, you're going to have to make tank tops, you're going to have to make coffee mugs, you're going to have to make laptop sleeves, book bags, you're going to have to make everything. And lo and behold, that's what she's doing. She's doing making everything. Well, and the purpose and meaning behind that is raising awareness on yeah, mental health and awareness. helping suicide prevention. Mm -hmm. And the more we're talking about things, the less alone people feel and the less you know likely they are to maybe take their own life or to harm themselves in mm -hmm. some sort of way. And like the shirt, like the first shirt that we started wearing was I am a mental health therapist. When I started wearing that around the city and stuff, people was like, even like, even if I'm not working, because yeah. like, on the side, I used to do, like do Uber Eats here and there. So like, they were like, are you a therapist for real? I'm like, yes, I am. <laughs> Come on in, Johnny. Uh, yes, Meet I, my boyfriend. <laughs> yeah, yes, I am. I'm, and I'm proud of it and, and stuff. We and laugh then, like, all the time about like being a therapist and like the conversations you get into or the things mm -hmm. that people think that you want to hear about. Yeah. And then like wearing, when I wear like other shirts, like the therapy, like the therapy is dope shirt that I had wore recently. Because it was black, I mean not black, it was brown and gold because it was like in my fraternity colors. And she got it listed on the website as JG Dope Tees because that was my idea of what I wanted to do. And oh, and I remember Julius had one too. For yeah, Julius got one for him. The that's another still good, uh, Steel yeah. Smiling is for, um, to support black mental health right mm -hmm. here in Pittsburgh. And they have yeah. a fund if people want to, you know, seek them out there mm -hmm. on social media. And I probably have a website. Yeah, yeah. so when, um... The idea came out about that, and I promoted it. Most of my fraternity brothers was like, oh, yeah, I got a Bami shirt. And they noticed it, one, because they know me being in the mental health field, but also they loved it because of, the, of the fraternity. But then also some other people in different organizations, Greek organizations, they asked, can I get a that color? And I said, well, you got to talk to Jessica and see if she can do it, and which she did. She made one for every Greek organization's color that people can buy. That's so amazing. Like, yeah. What better way to, we are already wearing things that are like, giving a message mm -hmm. why not give a message of it, like hope it, it, and like not, normalize it, it's a, I, I, to be honest I love it because one it's a fashion statement two it makes me proud to wear it because I'm in that field I'm in yeah. the field but then also it leaves a message to people to say this is important and what way to show that the message is important through fashion what way We're, we need uh, next is going to be face masks probably oh yeah <laughs> yeah I mean especially in pandemic times like be gentle with yourselves, mm -hmm. with your neighbors, with your family members. I think that having these conversations, like you said, maybe if you had talked to your grandfather years before, it would have been different. Well, yeah. guess what? People are seeing a lot more of their family members now. So uh -huh. you can ask, I know like, um, you know, Michelle Obama has a great journal that has like questions where you don't have to like specifically go a certain way to mm -hmm. just broach a subject and get your parents or your grandparents right. or your sister's or brother's opinion on where they stand with things. Mm -hmm. And now with them, when I talk to my family, they kind of, they understand now. They understand and they see why I'm in the field. There are moments where I need to open up and talk more and stuff like we're, They're more receptive to it now. Yeah. And they see it. When they see it now. So I'm glad they understand that. And speaking of Michelle Obama, I did listen to her podcast this morning. <laughs> How is it? good she her it was her and barack they talk it was That's good amazing did you see her becoming no, on netflix so she talked about she said that after that last election she said it felt just like all everything that we did you know people didn't show up like how could our people not show up mm -hmm. there was so much lost in that election so i think even now 
I was talking to a friend of mine who said, well, I don't ever vote, so it doesn't matter, blah, 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 but this year I might, and I said, this year you will. I will make you soup yeah. every... <laughs> And Everybody, wanna, like, get out there and vote. And yeah. I want to leave this out to everybody. We have to vote not just for the presidential election. We got to vote every election. Because even though this election right now is important and it's a big election, but we have to vote on the other elections too because the district attorney, mayors, um, senate, state reps they all play a part in making the laws and the policies and things like that and i'm thankful of my um, fraternity and how i'm part of this initiative called much more than a hashtag which we have a link a connection with semi gamma Rose sorority incorporated and we've been doing this for four years now where we educate educate the community on voter registration citizen review board jury selection homeownership and property taxes and right now we're on our voter registration pillar promotion right now from we started this month and then we're ended it to the end of september where we're encouraging our chapters and different our chapters and our organizations to host voter registration events and we've been doing it for four years now so it's not we just not just focus on the presidential election we focus on every election and and that's so right like down to what decisions are made within your district and you know your council people it is city it's important it's important and to hold those people accountable once they are elected yeah you know that's an important part too i feel like Mm -hmm. it's important and the good thing about it too what we do as well too which is the first this year um even due to covid we're giving chapters an option to either host in-person voter registration events or they could do rock the vote online because we have a partnership with rock the vote where they could use our link our link to host online voter registration and that's the much more than a hashtag yes we yes. will link everything up when we like get the um, podcast up and running so that folks know where to find yeah. you because that information is so necessary and to have it in one place is mm-hmm. easy for people yep. then right it's and like you don't even have to do the legwork right and then also this year too this is our third year that we're partnered with national voter registration day so we're getting like our organizations to prepare to say okay this is our third partnership with national voter registration day we got to show up and show out mm-hmm. and stuff because the last two years that we did it we showed out in numbers and getting a lot of people registered to vote and they invited us back to to partner with us again so we're looking forward to it but this year we're stepping we're kind of stepping more stepping more outside the box saying okay since we if some certain campuses college campuses are not allowed to host events because y'all can still do an online Mm -hmm. voter registration event because we got the rock the vote link right plug it into to your people so they can you know register to vote i think that that's amazing and Kudos for you to you for all of the work that you're doing because another thing that we say to people too is we're all the same. Yeah. Jessica brought up like we you cut you you cut me like we're, we're all the same. The same. And we're like all the same. And every put us parent wants the same for their children and mm-hmm. everybody wants their family to be safe and to have a good access to an education and to not be targeted and hunted down because right. of the way that they look i yeah. think that we can come to terms with we that we are all the same and then once we put all of us together as a working unit we are massive mm-hmm. we are massive just like how i'm thankful to have like different people like you jessica julius i look up to all of y'all because it just gives me motivation to say i'm in the right space with the right people because we need each other yeah, and that's why do. like having that space is so important because then we can 
as clinicians know what's going on in all the different like mm-hmm. which area are you at like with, you're working with kids you're working with adults right. you're working with, at, in the message and I love how we support each other when it comes to events too so whenever yeah. we have an event we always support one another even if we can't attend we always promote each other on social media say hey support so 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 like tonight Jessica and Sharice they supposed to be um, speaking on a, a black female social work perspective for CCAC students and stuff. So. Sharice actually just did her workshop for my staff yesterday. I, yes. And so. it was amazing. She is amazing. Like, just to be a therapist, and again, like, you think, I'm a therapist. What are they going to teach us about compassion fatigue? And you would be surprised. Like, when you sit and you're like, wait, I need to breathe. Yeah. I need to do these things. Like how you said, when you notice that your body's getting tense or you're not getting some sleep right. and you say, hey, I need some Or time. I need to go away and just be to myself. Yeah. Do it. Like just like that one time when I was real overwhelmed, even though I was reading like my plans and my Bible app, I was like, you know what? I just need to go away. And that's when I went to Ohio Plow. <laughs> I went to Ohio Plow with two friends and I said, like, I'm just going to just go away for a little bit. And I enjoyed it because I was away. I didn't have to worry about nothing. Being Even in see, nature. Being in nature. I love water. So anytime, if you're following me on Facebook and social, like Instagram and stuff like that, and you see pictures of... And that's JG Mastermind. Yep, right? so on Instagram, I'm JG The Mastermind. And then on Facebook, y'all follow me as Johnny RM Gathers. And then on LinkedIn, it's Johnny Gathers MSW. And One, check out those uh, <laughs> yeah, nature shops. Yeah, <laughs> and I do put, like, videos and pictures of, like, different surroundings. And, like, I have people, like, hit me up and say, where is this at? Where is this at? I'm like, well, I'm just on the south side at Riverfront Park. You would be so Or I'm at Aspenwall Park. I'm like, how you don't know these places? And then they're like, well, you got good shots. And I'm like, well, because I love water. If I find a spot that I'm comfortable at being at, I'm going to sit there and just enjoy the moment. And like when I went to Ohio Plow, that was my first time going there. When I got there, I just enjoyed it. Even though I had no signal, I was like, forget my signal on the phone. I'm just enjoying I can still, yeah, I was still taking pictures and videos. And once I came back home, that's when I put them up. Mm -hmm. I just was enjoying the moment. I said I needed that space just to clear my mind. Just to reflect, release, and just be be there. And that's right. what I did. I just was there. Just enjoying the water and just enjoying that time. And I was like, I'm going to have to come back. I was like, Ohio, I'm going to have to come back. Ohio, I'm going to have to come back to you. Come oh, back beautiful. And, like, come back in that falling water. Yes. Yeah, I love yeah. that. And just I to loved disconnect it. and unplug, especially now with Zoom and emails mm-hmm. and social media and everything. Yeah. So, yeah, I definitely I encourage anybody it. listening to... Take this as your sign. Because I'm, plan, we're, I'm planning, and I told some of my fraternity brothers and some friends too. I was like, I was planning. I said we should go there in the fall, like when the leaves is changing color, just to check it out. It might be awesome. So those are very important. Like we were saying with self care, get into nature mm-hmm. and plan something. Yeah. Have something to look forward to because pandemic. Like don't yeah. let yourself be trapped while you don't have. To right. Be Even though, because there are moments like it sucks that you can't like. You, like you can't travel to certain places and stuff like that and i understand that because there were moments where i was like i wish i could be here and there but then COVID happened but i took it upon myself i said i can still enjoy stuff here in this state right and 
And that's not what research. I, what I lost, what do I have? Yeah, what do I have and mm-hmm. what can I do? And that even in here in Pittsburgh, like if it's somewhere I could just go and be by water, I'm good. If it's anything water related, I'm fine. I'm fine. So, I am fine. Oh, I think that that's definitely something to keep in mind. Keep yourself safe, everybody. Mm-hmm. Keep yourself connected yes. with your friends, with your family, with your mental health community and yeah absolutely reach out to us anytime johnny is always available and for don't any be, questions. do not be afraid to speak up speak up yeah use your voice you have a voice for a reason you was given a voice for a reason do not be afraid to speak up because the same thing that you want to speak up someone else is probably waiting for you to speak up so they can speak up as well right well, I thank you so much for being thank here. This has been fun, having, and I'm sure we're going to have to do a follow-up at some point. Definitely. I'm all for it. <laughs> have a great day, and thanks thank again you. for Me being too. here. Thank you for listening to Conversations to Connect with Gretchen and Christy. If you like our show, want more information, and want to connect with us, go to our website at www.conversationstoconnect.com and follow us on Instagram. We hope this episode has given you some useful tips to create meaningful conversations in your life. If you feel like you would benefit from talking with a therapist, one resource is www.psychologytoday.com, or you can contact your insurance company. See you next time. 36.